Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And live more than three weeks without food. And here's the deal. In general, we need food, but we don't need it immediately as much as we think we do. And here's the reason. Everybody has a backpack of food. And that backpack is your... Being able to lead others and guide and direct others under stress is vital. Somebody's going to need to guide and direct or everybody's going to sit there and die. Such a blackout is coming, and it's only a matter of time. And it could and would have a devastating impact upon our very lives and survival. Plus, you get to find out what it's like to be married to Craig Cottle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Survival Show podcast with Craig and me, David. And it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster. And we're going to show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. Guys and gals, our mission here is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ so you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show today than you are right now at the beginning. And coming up next, guys, we're going to begin making our way through a multi-part series on almost everyone's favorite survival topic. So today we're going to kick this all off and begin a discussion on food essentials. We'll talk about why food is really important, but not as important as many people think. How to survive up to 40 days without food. Five ways to get food in a disaster, emergency, or survival situation. And... Maybe we'll even go through a simple everyday carry food checklist. And before we're all done, we're actually going to get back to what we started two podcasts ago. And we're going to break down a recent power outage that made the news. We're going to pull some lessons learned from that story and talk about some grid down essential preparations we all need to consider making today. And then we're going to go to the mailbag. And we have one question that I hope is going to get you to tell us more about your upcoming super secret special knife that you've been working on for a while. (laughs) I don't know. It's not a secret now, man. I've already put the first little tiny video out so everybody can see it real good. So, yeah, we're going to film some on that this week. So, yeah, we're, we're going well with that. But I do want to make sure that everybody is aware, too, about our sponsor the sportsman's guide everybody listen up it's one of those hey craig's telling us to listen up times you need to go over the sportsman's guide please go over the sportsman's guide check them out find something on there it costs five dollars ten dollars buy it follow the links in the description below that's what we call hashtag hbo help a brother out because they are a sponsor of the show and we wouldn't be able to do anything that we're doing without our sponsors and those that are supporting us and following us so we greatly appreciate the Sportsman's Guide. Again, if you like Cabela's, if you like Bass Pro Shop, if you like sporting goods stores, then you're going to find it on the Sportsman's Guide. I'm just telling you, you're going to find it there. So go check it out. You're going to find something. I know you're going to find something. Buy it. Use the links below. That lets them know it came from us. And that is fantastic for the continuing of the Survival Show podcast, which we greatly appreciate. Thank you for that. And don't forget, real soon like, I think real soon, like check us out over at the survival show.com website. We'll be running and gunning there as well. All right, Craig, you ready to get into this? 
I am. Let's do this. All right, everyone. For those that are following along in the tiny survival guide, which we've been going through, um, not not each week, but we've been doing quite a bit. And that way you can get your tiny guide out and follow along with us. If you don't have one, then look in the link for the link in the description below. That's going to help you out tremendously. We are in section K. That is in section K of the tiny survival guide where it says food intro slash hunting and all the things that go along with it. Something like this for you all. And if you've ever seen me on social media, I've talked about tiny guides and how stupid they are for years. And that's because they weren't training tools. They have to be a train. And, and that's why we wrote this guy the way we did. You can utilize it as a training guide and a resource in bad times when you need it. And you can't have it just one way. You've got to have it both. And that's what we spent so much time making sure this is something that, hey, you want to increase your skill set, you just dig into it, find a, find a section and, and dig into it for the weekend. You know, most of us do our training and stuff of that nature on the weekend. So pick a topic each weekend and, and practice something in there. So that, that's one of the ways that we wanted to make sure that this guide worked. And it does. And it does very well or my name wouldn't be on it. There you go. So why don't we just start with an overview of the laws of threes, and then we'll get into a kind of an open discussion, Craig, on the importance of food. Yeah, on the rule of threes, guys and gals, just keep in mind that this is, it's called the rule of threes. It, it's not an absolute rule or law. It is just a general understanding of what our needs are. And it's, it's just a good way to get a conversation started so that you can develop your skill set, which is you can't live more than three minutes without blood flow and oxygen flow. You can't live more than three hours without maintaining your core body temp. Can't live more than three days without water. Can't live more than three weeks without food. And that's kind of the way we go about training. When I say we, the Nature Alliance School, the way we've always done things, the trainings that David and I and Clint did together in Pennsylvania. That's the way we do things. And that's why we wanted to communicate this process here through the tiny guy and in our podcast. It's just a good foundational way of understanding. And along the way, we develop critical thinking skills, which is part of the process of understanding that, you know, sometimes like in excessive heat, water probably does become uh, foremost in your mm -hmm. mind before mm -hmm. uh, core body temperature maintenance, because everything's going to be OK with your core body temp. So, you know, developing that critical thinking skill set is important, too. But that is that's the rule of threes. And that takes us to food, right? So food is where on the rule of threes, Craig? Can't live more than three weeks without food. And again, that's a general understanding. I think we'll get into this in a bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe let's just talk about some psychological effects, physical effects and survival effects. And here's the deal. In general, we need food, but we don't need it immediately as much as we think we do. And here's the reason. Everybody has a backpack of food. And that backpack is your, Craig. <laughs> Butt. <laughs> That's right. Baby got back. It's your behind. <laughs> that is, mm -hmm. from my perspective, God's way of uh, giving us an easy to carry, almost center of mass backpack that doesn't really take a whole lot to carry around, depending on the size of it. <laughs> And it's huh. available to you. Your body, after a short period of time, will go into ketosis and start burning off that fat, and you'll be just fine for, you know, for a time. Yeah, the psychological effects are important. Very, very important to understand because we are conditioned in our modern world to eat daily. Most of us are. And, even, and a large portion of us are trained to eat multiple times a day. 
And even some people are trained to eat, you know, four or five times a day. <laughs> so there's any sort of number of things that are going to happen to you psychologically when you don't get to do that. I mean, maybe it's comfort food. Maybe it's just a standard, uh, a routine and you're used to that routine. And when you get out of that routine, it can have a negative effect. Now, David spoke about different training events and I can speak to doing this in real life and that I went out 30 days with nothing but a knife twice and the psychological physical effects are tremendous when you're getting food and when you're not getting food uh it's it's a whole lot worse it's a whole lot worse and you've got to be able to ramp it up when you need to to get what it is that you need to do and you need to be able to calm yourself when you're not getting what you think that you need Mm-hmm. And more often than not, it's what you want and you've got to be in control of your wants rather than your needs. Understand your needs and how to fix those because needs are very different than our wants. And mm-hmm. the psychological effect negatively is what happens when we're focused on our wants rather than our needs. Now, the physical effects come into play when we are actually not meeting our needs and we start to lose that fatty tissue. We start to have a breakdown of muscle tissue and we have hunger pains. You know, my experience was, you know, two weeks in of no food. The second time I did my 30 day trip that uh, I started experiencing extreme abdominal pain. Eventually that subsided and I didn't feel any pain at all in that manner. But uh, those are all things that are very much at the forefront of my mind, considering survival food and, and couch, um, you know, calorie intake and, and getting calorie deficient in a survival situation. So the survival effects here, Craig, you want to just talk us through calories used versus calories gained and how the, I guess, the biological machine of our body works and the importance of all that. Anytime you do anything, you're going to burn calories. And so the effect of burning calories requires you to get more calories to make up for those that are lost. Now, your body, again, as David suggested, with your behind, as well as those of us that may carry a little bit more fat on our bodies, then we're going to have more time because the body is basically going to go into where it's going to start utilizing fat more efficiently. That's why people go on keto diets and they lose fat. But there comes a point where your body's going to stop doing that because there's not, depending upon the length of the disaster or the survival situation, you're not going to have enough fat to continue to feed your body. And so you've got to be real cognizant of those calories in, calories out. Meaning if you're doing something like, let's say, gathering firewood in a wilderness event, or you're just trying to build a shelter because a tornado wiped your home out and you're, you're staying somewhere in the garage because there's a few pieces of lumber left in your garage as that's the only shelter that you have, then you need to be aware that you're burning calories. You're going to have to find calories in your environment to make up for that. If you don't, you're calorie deficient. And once your body quits burning all that fat tissue, then you're going to start having a number of things happen to the things that I experienced where you just get completely lethargic. And at, at three weeks in, I started having hallucinations, but, but, uh, that was, that was a survival event where I'm out and I still had to do the firewood thing. And I still had to do the hunting and trapping thing. And so I had to burn calories. I had to go get water and all the things. So I'm burning calories. I wasn't having the opportunity to just lay in a shelter and do nothing. So that, that's all vitally important. 
Is that what you were getting at when you asked me that Yeah, question? that was perfect, Craig. Yep. Absolutely perfect. So let's get into some food essentials here. I think the kind of the default thing that that is almost obvious is you want to always carry quick food with you. And what I'm talking about is uh, six to maybe 10 high calorie food bars in your everyday carry bag. Now I know here's how I do it. I just have a pack that generally almost always goes with me if I'm going more than five miles from my home. And I just have a separate pouch in there that has various different food bars that work for me. You know, this is funny that we did this podcast because this, I actually used some of mine the other day. Uh, I was out working with some, yeah, I didn't, but somebody in that I was working with did. But anyway, while we're out, we're going up and down some very significant hills here in Kentucky. And the gentleman that I was with has some issues with hypoglycemia. He's not type two Mm -hmm. diabetic, but he does have hypoglycemia issues and at one point in time, he was just standing there doing nothing. I looked and I noticed that his hand was shaking. I said, man, you're getting low on your blood sugar. And he said, I am. And I said, well, what do you have with you? Well, he didn't have anything with him. In that particular instance, uh, I always keep these, you know, fruit strips. You can get organic mm-hmm. fruit strips or the cheap plastic ones. They, mostly they're eaten by kids. But um, the gentleman that, that got this, he actually listens to the podcast. So he knows I'm talking about him right now. But uh, it was useful to have that because, I mean, he took in a few calories and got a little fruit chewy thing and he was good to go, real good to go. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I like carrying those because they lay flat in a pack. They take up very little space, very little weight. And that way you have something that provides calories for yourself or somebody else that you're out with. So that worked out really well in that instance. One thing I want to say about your everyday carry food. So eat that stuff. It's the same with any emergency food that you have. You want to have a plan to cycle that through so it just doesn't sit there and go bad because especially if you're Mm -hmm. carrying food in an everyday carry pack, it's going to be cold and it's going to be humid and it's going to be hot. Even if it's a fairly non-perishable food like what Craig's talking about or like kind bars, which are what I carry a lot, they're going to go bad faster than they normally would. So you want to cycle stuff through every couple of months. I want to ask you about this. Have you ever made pemmican? And you can you explain to the guys what that is? Because that used to be a, a Native American uh, survival food, wasn't it? The uh, pemmican that David is referencing was a basically a cliff bar for frontiersmen and Native American people. It was their way of putting uh, the food sources that they had available together in a small cookie bar type uh, of food source that they could carry with them and utilize and, and it would keep for extended periods of time. The, what it, it, there's a lot of different recipes actually for it, but what I used to do when I made it years ago, cause I used to do period correct reenacting is you had to have some source of, of, uh, base, whether it was acorn flour or something of that nature, uh, oats, if you had it, and then you would, um, mash in some berries or just put berries in it this is a great time of year to pick berries, man. We've been picking berries for weeks oh, now. Oh yeah. And, and uh, elderberries, we're going to get elder, elderberries tomorrow. So we're excited, nice. but uh, man, now I'm hungry. With that said, uh, you add in some, you can put in some jerked meat into it, or you can also add in uh, rendered fat to kind of mm-hmm. hold it and stabilize it and keep it together. And it's, it's like an energy food from the frontier. The issue when you're making this stuff is just think about that animal fat. If that stuff gets rancid, it's going to make you sick. So you've got to take care to wrap it up in something and package it as best you can if you're going to utilize it. Very important. 
Nice. So we basically got into a no prep checklist on easy everyday carry food. I'm just going to buzz through that real quick. Just quick quality food bars, trail mix. Uh, check out Craig's good old raisins and peanuts gorp recipe in his book. Uh, candy, beef jerky, pemmican, again, coffee beans, just because it can give you a, a quick lift if you need it. And don't forget your water. Craig, and, and we've got edible plants up next. I'm going to let you talk about that a little bit. Even though you talked about it last week with Jennifer, I know we have people who tune in all the time in different podcasts, so they might have missed some of that. Edible plants are something that can be very useful to you if you want to invest the time into studying how to do that. That's what Jennifer went over. She talked about resources and some of her favorite things to do and how to basically make edible plants medicinal plants even part of your daily routine and even in regular life so check out that podcast because it's worthy of your time to listen to that one because it's just a wealth of information plus you get to find out what it's like to be married to craig coddle she answered that question at the end of the podcast too and that's worth the podcast gold right there so anyway (laughs) (laughs) um, edible plants also on the other side can be problematic in that you don't know what you're doing and you can cause yourself not necessarily i mean you could pick something to eat that would cause you to die. But more often than not, there's a lot of plants out there that can give you a rash, they can give you diarrhea, that give you a severe headache. And all of those things are things that obviously cause a negative psychological effects and negative um, physiological effects. So not only if you're, if you got diarrhea, then you're very likely to get dehydrated. That's a major problem. If you've got a headache, then your morale goes down and your mindset is terrible and you don't want to do anything because it's difficult because you had to have a headache. And so those digging into edible plants is, is something that you want to invest the time in now. I tell people all the time, the food stuff that you've got to do, everything in survival, but the food stuff in a major way, trapping, hunting, edible plants, all the things that go along with it, you need to start investing your time now in studying those things and and uh, being ready when the time comes. Good stuff. So many mammals, we're just going to say many mammals and bugs are edible, and we'll get into bugs and we'll get into hunting and all that in future podcasts. Hey, just a reminder too, David, uh, I know I didn't look it yeah. up and I should have, and Joe Flowers did an excellent job talking about bugs when he was on the show. So those of you who uh, you can look back for the interview with Joe Flowers, he does a fantastic job of talking about bugs, but we're, we are going to cover them in depth uh, ourselves here moving forward too. You want to talk about food preparation, Craig? Yeah. Food preparation is almost as important as anything in the process of eating. If you are out in a disaster readiness situation, I was thinking about this on in regards to these tornadoes that happened around the Dayton, Ohio area recently. Cause again, my good friend lives up there and told me a whole lot about that process and people that are just, Hey man, they have a house today and boom, five minutes later, they don't have a house. They don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's real easy in that situation to, uh, as far as food is concerned to just go about finding food and eating it or what have you, uh, and not taking care of personal hygiene. You've got to do everything you can to keep your hands clean, do everything you can that when you're prepping food to do it in such a way that you don't get, you know, raw meat on your hands and then eat with those same hands. If you're using utensils to prepare the food, do not use the same utensils when you're uh, eating the food. Perfect example is a pocket knife. If you're cutting up something with your pocket knife, just wiping it on your pants leg does not 
<laughs> clean a knife because you would, I mean, a lot of people joke about it, you know, and even I have joked about it, but that is not clean, a clean knife in a, mm-hmm. a true survival situation, disaster readiness situation. That could be all it takes is for you to get sick. So make sure your utensils are clean. Anytime, anytime you have the ability, then put utensils and food in boiling water any food that's questionable. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have boiling water and you have to try to get as many calories as you can, but you want to make sure that it's, it's safe for you, then you want to burn that food, almost, um, charred up if nothing else, just so you know that if there's any uh, detrimental bacteria in that food, that you're going to char it to the point that it's killed and, and, and mm-hmm. not going to be part of the meat that you're going to eat. I remember watching a, you know, I've talked about how much I dislike survival TV shows and all that stuff. But one guy that stands out that I really like is Les Stroud. And he talked about this in depth in one of his shows where he caught, I want to say it was a chipmunk in a cave or maybe it was, it was some sort of rodent in a cave. I can't remember, but he cooked that thing to where it was crispy and talked about the importance of that. I thought, man, that's a guy that knows what he's talking about right there. Um, so, you know, yeah. So I think a good thing to just remember here, when in doubt, you can boil anything, right? Any food can boil. A story from, I actually have a friend visiting, and you actually know this person, Craig. I think he was a missionary friend of mine who helped us out at the training from uh, South Sudan. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I remember him. Yeah. So I don't know if you know, know this, but he went back over there and he fell in love and married a South Sudanese uh, nurse. And they're married and they're actually visiting the U.S. right now. His wife, she had never, ever had fresh vegetables. She hated vegetables because everything was either fried or boiled over there. She came here and she discovered the taste of vegetables. And the reason being, their water is oftentimes tainted. And so they have to literally boil all their vegetables. And we don't realize this, but because, you know, oftentimes we just go to the store and we assume that the vegetables we buy there are fine or we rinse them off real quick and and we're good to go but in a survival situation or if we had a long-term event where trash is piling up and hygiene is a problem and water and soap is a problem we're going to need to know this information you just talked about craig we're going to need to be able to prepare our food well and boiling is a great way to know that you've gotten up over that 160 degree fahrenheit temperature 71 degrees Celsius. So most, if not all of the biologicals are killed in your food. So there you have it. Man, we've got it so good in this country. We, we all need to get that reminder from time to time about how good we have it. So for sure. What, what's up mm-hmm. next? Where are we? <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I got to listen to you thinking about her not being able to have fresh vegetables and it kind of broke my heart. And so I kind of got lost mm-hmm. on where we need to be. So tell us, Craig, how do we survive for up to 40 days without food in a life or death situation only? Wow, that's a tough question, and it's going to be personal to everybody. But one of the big things is keep in mind this idea of calorie deficiency, calories in versus calories out, and you don't want to become deficient. And um, one of the best ways to do this is to not burn any calories so you don't need them. Mm Mm-hmm. Be as I call survival a lazy man's game. You want to be as lazy as you possibly can in a true survival situation and do as little as you can. And that way you don't have to find as much stuff in your environment. The, you know, the people that have survived extended periods of time, both in the real world 
and even these guys on alone that have extended a big extended periods of time on the TV show alone, those guys. And I, I say that, but just because we have film of those guys doing that stuff and we don't typically have this in for other survival situations. One of the things that's true about most of the situations is people knew how to conserve energy and not waste energy. So that's, that's vital. Uh, that's as vital as anything as far as getting your calories. But one of the things that you need to consider is, and this is why we spend so much time talking about edible medicinal plants, is that it seems like in survival, the big thing to go to is, you know, let's kill a critter and eat it and survive and trap and hunt and all that stuff. And that is a vital aspect of it. However, we don't use as many calories to uh, digest plant material as we do meat protein. So your first choice should be go after these edible plants because you don't use as many calories to harvest them. You don't use as many calories to digest them. And so you're already at an advantage from a caloric expenditure uh, consideration than it is going after the meat protein. So, you know, you could live 40 days on edible plants knowing how to forage in whatever area that you're from if you know how to conserve energy as well. Mm-hmm. One thing to add in, as far as meat proteins and, and killing animals and hunting and trapping and everything, know what parts of those animals are easier for you to digest. For example, eyeballs, uh, can you put the blood into a, a, a cup mm-hmm. and boil it and then drink that blood? Because that's, that's base. I mean, if you have a, um, a religious reason for not doing that, I totally understand. That's something that you should be committed to, in my opinion, and consider that for survival as well. That's all. That all plays a role. I think that stuff is important. I'm not discrediting anybody from drinking blood uh, that have a religious reason for not doing it. But from a purely physical standpoint, that is that's a valid way of getting calories. Uh, eyeballs, organ tissue doesn't take as much calories to digest as pure meat protein. So those are all other ways to consider for that 40 days that we were talking about. That's really good. So that's going to prepare us for next time. Next time we're going to get into mm-hmm. how to prepare food before a crisis. We're going to talk about growing, preserving food, stockpiling. Then we'll get into how to get food from the wild. Of course, that's going to cover hunting, trapping, fishing, foraging, and scavenging. But we've got a break it down segment that we're going to get into. You want to do that now? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, let's break it down.
All right, guys and gals. So what what happened was that well, there was a blackout and it caused problems for a significant number of people. I think it was around 73, 74,000 people in New York. And what I thought I'd do is I'd read a story. This story came from Fox News, and I'll read some of this to you, and then we'll get into it. On the heels of last weekend's mini blackout in New York City, this is not about see, I told you so, but is about reminding people that a large and sustained blackout could cause and would cripple much of society as we know it, and it could and would have a devastating impact upon our very lives and survival. Such a blackout is coming, and it's only a matter of time. Again, leaving aside the growing threats of cyber and terrorist attack upon our power grid, the fact of the matter is that much of our grid is antiquated junk desperately in need of billions of dollars in repair. Antiquated infrastructure, which currently, unfortunately, is connected to other outdated infrastructure. Sometimes the slightest bump in our ancient electrical power infrastructure triggers a chain reaction power loss, which spreads in seconds and leaves millions of people literally in the dark and much worse. In 2003, for example, there was a tree branch that fell on a power line in Ohio. Did you hear me? That was just a tree branch. And instantly over 50 million people in the United States and Canada were hit by cascading blackouts, a tree branch. So I think end of story for what I'm going to read. So basically I think that sets the stage. And this story was written by, let me find the author here, uh, Douglas McKinnon, who was a former White House and Pentagon official. I think it sets the stage for a discussion on blackouts and, and uh, our understanding. And I used to work in the utility industry, and I would agree with some of the assessment that this gentleman gave because there are some very antiquated pieces of equipment out there in the utility industry, whether it's electric or natural gas or even water. And some of those things are, you know, Little things happen, and sometimes if little things happen, they can, again, as this gentleman stated, which is a good way of saying it, cascade into much bigger problems. So what we did is we wrote down uh, a list of these. In, in our Facebook group for Nature Reliance School, we have a Facebook group where we discuss really important topics, and one of our admins uh, put up, hey, what, what, do you, what can you think of that would be a problem with blackouts in New York City and what's the solutions for them. And so I gathered a list of those and I think David's added to them here. And so how do you want to handle this, David? You want to go through these? You want to bring them up? Well, first I want to say something that was really interesting when I was prepping for this podcast. I'm looking at a map that has live power outages right now in the state of Pennsylvania. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are on the map right now. So I just want to emphasize that this is something that I'm sure, I'm almost positive that everybody listening right now has had to deal with. Yeah, let's get into this list, Craig. The first one was a need for cash because all the ATMs were down in this particular Mm -hmm. area. And some organizations, some restaurants, some groceries and, and all the things that you might use a card for may or may not take a card when the electric's down. Most organizations won't. They'll just stop business for the moment. And so if you had cash, you could probably purchase some things. And and uh, if you don't carry cash, which most people, quite frankly, just do not carry cash anymore. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's one of those things that having cash on hand is, is vital. Make sure you have that. That's a good point. Secondly, one of the things that you want me to just go through this list and you remark yeah, on ahead. it too as I go through. Yep. Uh, one of the things that came up with was public transportation in New York is a huge thing. Subways and buses and, and cabs and all the things that go along with them. And 
that went down because of the blackout and the Uber rates went up four to five times the normal rate. So think about that $20 cab or Uber ride is now an $80 Uber ride. And so that was something that some of them may or may not be able to take your payments because who, who knows if they had good battery backup for their phones, if they could take payments, if you could make the payment because maybe you didn't have, you know, whatever it takes. I've only used Uber sparingly, but um, being able to utilize it is going to require some form of electricity to be able to contact our Uber through our cell phones or what have you. Another reason to have that battery backup with your cell phone all the time, ready to go. Good stuff. Um, the last one, uh, the, not the last one, but the next one that somebody brought up is just don't live in big cities. You know, I had this hard, very heart to heart discussion with, I've got several friends that live in Chicago. And so uh, I had a, you know, I, I was just very frank with a good friend of mine there a few years ago. And he said, if you were me, would you get out of Chicago and leave? And I was like, yes, I would. And, you know, he, he chose to stay there and that, that's okay. It's his decision. His family's there. He's from there. So it's, it's not easy to leave, but you've got to consider those things. Is it whatever is taking you there? Is it just as important for you to stay there? And it is the possibility to leave. Can you get a, a good job elsewhere? And, and, the things that go along with it. So that's very important. Uh, next was stay in and don't bug out. Uh, we, we've talked about it several mm-hmm. times here on the survival show podcast that the whole idea is to shelter in. And that's more important than bugging out, even though bugging out has the sexier, uh, cooler discussions online and forums and stuff. Those people have never done that. I mean, they just talk about it all the time. And so that stuff drives me crazy. But the realism of it is that we need to shelter in whenever possible. So you basically need to have a survival kit at home and you need to have a way of getting home and you need to have a way if you have a family on how your family is going to rally to your home. And so that's something that's vital important. You know, one of the things that came up, this is the next point that they discussed was since there's no electricity and there may not be backup generators if you live in a high rise in New York City, for example, in a big city and you live on the 50th floor, you're getting ready to walk 50 flights of stairs to get to your place. And so that is, hmm, man, you better have the ability to be walking some stairs. You need to be hydrated all the time, folks. You mm-hmm. just need to be hydrated. It's just all there is to it. If You, you don't want to find yourself, oh man, a blackout has happened and you're dehydrated. So it's one of those things that you, you would have the hydration capability in your body to go up those flight of steps if you're hydrated. However, if now you've been working out or you haven't taken in water like you should all day, then you're making a mistake. I mean, and this is, and I am, Ooh, man, I'm talking from experience. So I spent a long period of my life dehydrated and didn't realize it. I was having physical problems that I thought were musculature in nature, but it was hydration, a lack of hydration. I just wasn't drinking the water I needed to, and it made a huge difference in my life. Um, keep in mind medical devices that work on batteries or work on electricity or whatever, anything that's going to run on that sort of thing is going to need battery backup and, you know, things like oxygen, 
those that are type one diabetic that might have a, a pump or something of that nature, or any other medical device that uses battery power or is recharged, vital, vital to being able to have those battery backups and, and things that go along with it. You definitely want to have some basic alternate power. And I think that's what you're going to say, right, Craig? I, I really want to get to what you utilize too, because I have a couple of systems here that, that work really well. I have um, one of the Goal Zero is the name of it. I have one mm-hmm. of the big ones. It's got the solar panels for it and everything. And mm-hmm. not to get too deep into my own personal uh, needs here, but we have some medical issues with one of my family members. So if we have an extended period of electric electricity down, then we've got to have some things that stay refrigerated. And if we don't, it causes significant problems. So I've got some, I've, I've spent the money, my in-laws <laughs> spent some money to take care of getting us a really good generator with some solar panels. And so that is uh, vital. And if you have those things, and, and I made this mistake, I've got two gas generators. I've got a solar generator because I'm kind of overkill on this because some people in my family, their life depends upon that stuff. They, uh, it's one of those things you want to test and work with and know how it works before mm-hmm. you need it. I had had the solar panel generator. I thought it was kind of stupid proof because it is, it seems real simple. It's a great system, but I ended up getting the solar panels out and make sure they worked and all that. And it took a, a little bit more, uh, getting it all put together right to make it work right. And so it's, it's worthy of your investment in time if you have something like that to work on it and, and make it work before you need it. And you brought up the solar generators, which those are fantastic for myself. I've got some solar generators, again, goal zero here. And not everybody can have a combustion generator, especially if you live in on the 50th floor of a building in New York City, right? But the cool thing is, the way that these power bricks, these larger power bricks work, is you just keep them plugged in all the time. When the electric goes out, now you've got alternate power. But I'm like you, Craig. I've got a very large, I think it's a Toro generator here. I think it pushes about 8,000 watts. And the reason I have that is because we have four refrigerator freezers here. And also our water system works off of a 300 foot deep pump. And I have had plenty of opportunities to practice with it all. Anything else on an alternate power? I think that's it, man. So maybe one thing before we get into the mailbag over at kit.com forward slash ultimate survival tips. Kit.com is just a really convenient way where people can see and check out uh, basically kit checklists that we put together. So you want to get into this mailbag? Finally, the mailbag. We've been putting these questions off for a couple of weeks. We need to get these done. (laughs) All right. First question, Craig and David, you guys have talked about the importance of training and testing yourself under stress. Can you recommend a few simple and safe drills or activities or ways that can help us train and prepare to better respond to unexpected or potentially life-threatening situations? The big thing to keep in mind is that any sort of stress that happens in you is going to create opportunities for your brain to adapt to that stress. And that stress, as far as your brain is concerned, is all the same. Uh, This is a real technical field of study. Hmm. So I'm I'm giving a real general look at it. But basically, I talk about it as neural pathways in the limbic system of your brain. And you have these pathways in your brain that connect uh, what you what situation you're currently in and the end result that you want to be in. And right now, let's say, for example, those pathways don't 
they're roads. They're those neural pathways are neural highways. Think of them that way. And those highways are not completed. They might have a bridge that's out or something. And the more stress that you put yourself under, the more those highways get built so that you have the beginning situation and you get to the end result. Once you do that enough and you learn how to deal with stress, then you can handle yourself under stress uh, much better, no matter what that stress is. So stress yourself out in healthy ways as best you can. Here's some examples. One, exercise and exercise hard, like carry that 50 pound sandbag up that hill that you don't want to carry it up or do that, do three more reps that you think you can only do one, do three more. And, you know, it's a good thing to train with somebody physical training and stuff of that nature, because somebody might go, all right, Craig, boom, boom, boom. You got three more reps and I'm thinking I'm done. You know, and then I get in there and crank out. I am dealing with that stress and building those neural pathways that I need that will work under stress later. David? Yeah, I'm just going to say competitive sports and the stressors can be time points. It's a, it's somebody that you're competing against. There's a lot of critical thinking that goes into competitive sports and activities. Summer family games, especially now, like I help out at a, a local Christian camp and we had a group out that was a, it was a family camp and they did a lot of summer games, like three-legged races, tug of war, stuff like that, that caused people to have to work together and then evaluate the situation and come back to it. Virtually any activity where you're adding two or more stressors to it can be very helpful. Anything else on this, Craig? The only thing I would add is is a good book. Uh, one of my favorites, okay. and I did a whole podcast for the Survival Show podcast real early on on this book, uh, In Extremist Leadership, which is learning how to lead others under stress and in extreme situations. So check that out. I discussed that book and all the okay. benefits, and I, and, and I share some things in there that are practical exercises for people to be able to do. It's really good. One thing I missed here, Craig, but I want to just circle back around. We can put ourselves under stress and, and do some stress training and competitive sports and some group things. But I think it's really important to take the time after you you introduce that stress, after that activity, to evaluate the activity. Otherwise, we can miss the opportunity to learn and fix before it's actually a life-threatening situation. Cool. Let's do our next question, Craig, and squeeze this in here. David and Craig. What new things do you guys have coming up that you think we, your listeners, should know about? Mm. All right, so Craig, you got a lot um, of stuff yeah. coming up. We do have a lot of stuff coming up. The we we've got two, we've got three classes coming up this fall. In September, we're going to do our land navigation course, taught by Tracy Trimble and myself, uh, authors of Essential Wilderness Navigation, and uh, it's going to be epic. And yeah, it's going to be epic. I mean, we're on a new piece of property. And one of the things we're adding to this class that we've never done before is that we're going to have scenario based training at the end where people are going to put it into practice a little bit more so than we have in the past. And so uh, Tracy's going to do his fantastic job. He always does leading people, learning how to do it. And then we're both going to guide and direct people in these scenarios. Craig, sign us up. What? Karen and I are coming for the land nav huh. class because that's that's one area we both really want to uh, train under you guys on so if you guys want to come out Dude. and you want to meet craig and i we're both going to be there there you have it cool yeah man it's a good time yeah it's uh i have a nature immersion class first time i'm going to teach this i think i told everybody last time mm -hmm. i'm going through master naturalist training which is basically refining some of the things that i already know i've been leading warriors uh, suffering from ptsd and some other issues for a number of years now and different things in the outdoors. And this is the first time I'm going to lead some nature immersion type training 
in uh, for the public. And, and we're very excited about offering that. If you've ever heard of or read the book, The Three-Day Effect, and how much nature can affect your overall well-being, then you know exactly what I'm talking about, what kind of mm-hmm. stuff we're going to be doing. And if you haven't read that book, you need to. It's fantastic. And last but not least, the last mm-hmm. weekend of October, we're doing our level one survival mm-hmm. class. And so that class is, oh, nice. uh, it's already, it's already half full. So if you're interested in that class, then jump in it. You're right. That is a great place to start for anybody that wants to really get out there and start learning some of the stuff they've heard about or watched on YouTube. Okay. So tiny guide and card, Craig, finally, finally we're launched on Amazon. We have, we have a legit Amazon branded store, also ultimate survival tips on Amazon. It takes a lot. It was way more work than I anticipated. Fortunately, I've had some help, but the tiny guide and cards are on Amazon and uh, also at tinysurvivalgear.com. So that was a cool thing. Here's what I really want to talk about. And I think everybody wants to hear about this, Craig, because you haven't really told me much about it. So that's why I said it's like super (laughs) duper secret. I want to hear about this knife. What, why, when, tell us about (laughs) <laughs> this awesome knife that you've been designing for like forever. Well, uh, thanks for asking. I'm glad it's, I'm glad we're getting <laughs> really close, really close. It's been a lot of work. Uh, basically one of the things, you know, here, here's my outlook on, on tools is what has proven the test of time. Are there tools out there that have proven themselves over and over and over again? And a, a quick cursory glance at history, there's some certain knives that have existed particularly for those of us here in Kentucky, um, the frontiersmen, Simon Kenton, Daniel Boone, Lewis Wetzel, George Rogers Clark, these, these guys, they all carried a certain type of knife and they lived for months at a time outside. Some of these guys, uh, George Rogers Clark, when he went to Detroit to basically do one of the most important battles of the founding of our country, walked through chest high water for about 30 miles. You know, what kind of knife does a man carry that does that? Well, he carries a knife that looks very similar to the one that I put together. Uh, it's, you know, the knife is, is closer, resembles an, an amalgamation of those knives, what's referred to as the long knife. And this knife is basically what was carried by Virginians, uh, North Carolinians coming into the frontier. And it was the same knife that the Shawnee called the Shimanese. Uh, because they feared these guys that carried these long knives. So yeah, I made a knife. It's a little hmm. bit longer than most. I'll keep that part a secret. It does have uh, a new steel. The improvements that I put upon this style of knife is I have a new steel that are not new, but it's just relatively new to the knife market. It's not being utilized a lot, but it's it's well worth it. AEBL steel. It's a high carbon stainless steel. Hmm. Uh, it's a stainless steel that I actually utilized to create a spark and made a flint and steel fire with and uh which uh, everybody says is impossible but it has a micarta handle on it saber uh, saber grind on the blade drop point uh, again it's about a little bit longer than most and it's intended to do all the things that you can do outdoors including fight with it uh, i've been studying martial arts for a long time 20 plus years and one of the things i've been investing a lot of energy in lately is how to fight and defend yourself with a knife and so I wanted a knife that I could do that with. And this knife will do that and do it well. Nice. How about I them want apples? One. That's, that's <laughs> fantastic, dude. I love the whole his, historical angle and I would have expected nothing less. So you did not disappoint there, except for the fact that I can't see it, touch it and use it. 
but <laughs> sign me up. Yeah, sign so, me up, man. So, <laughs> so as far as when, um, probably developing some materials, uh, video in particular, to inform people about what it's all about. Going to have a live video feed on Nature Reliant School probably in the next couple of weeks, I hope. And oh. then um, we'll put out orders. LT Wright Handcrafted Knives is the good fine folks out of Ohio that are going to put this this blade together for me. And uh, we made a prototype several months ago. I put it in the hands of all my students, which have included military, uh, public, first responders. I mean, it's included a little bit of everybody and said, beat this thing to death. Make it work. Uh, tell me what you like, what you don't like. We made two really small adjustments to it. I have that knife now in hand, the second prototype, and we're getting ready to go live with it. So rock and roll, son. This knife is bad to the bone. I just want to support what you're doing, and it sounds like a great knife, dude. So I am I am super stoked for you. Yeah, I'm pleased. Cool. Well, I think that's it. We've got a lot of other things coming up, but that's, that's really, that was the one I wanted to get okay, to. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. So, Craig, coming up next time, we have the one, the only, Bob Gaskin, who is the founder of MRE Nation. And he's actually really entertaining. I don't think you know Bob yet, but you will. And he's really knowledgeable in the topics of long-term food storage, like actually general business prepping for a disaster and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, man, that sounds like a great show. I'm looking forward to talking to him. But yeah, everybody, please listen to me. Subscribe to the podcast right now. It's free. It didn't cost you a penny to do that. That ensures that you don't miss out on any episodes. Many thanks to each of you listening who have already done that. And if you enjoy the podcast, which we certainly hope you do, then please share it with your friends and family. Go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. If for some reason that we fall short on what you expect in this podcast, then send us a message. And uh, by listening to you all, this podcast continues to grow and improve. And we just simply can't do it without you. This show is for you all. So we really appreciate that. Also, go to tinysurvivalgear.com or now check it out. Check it. Check it on Amazon. Type in Tiny Survival Guide and, and or Ultimate Survival Tips. You'll find what you need there. And that way you can get on your tiny survival guide and be cool like all the rest of us that have them. Hey, bulk, uh, get five of them. Get ten of them. I mean, I sold, uh, I, I got a few uh, ahead of this process in Amazon, and I sold about ten to ten different scout families the other day. So, yeah, man, everybody's buying these things up, so you need to get on that too. You can share one with the folks that you care about most. Now, also as a free bonus, Go check out kit.com forward slash ultimate survival tips to see the grid down and food kit items we mentioned in this podcast. That's a cool little uh, website. I love it that we have that capability to do that. I think that's it. Is that it? Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, you all. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show Podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.